You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Good to be with you. I'll echo what Betsy said, especially those of you who are new. Man, it's so good to have you. We love having guests. I've already met a few people first service. There's a new few people here. We hope that you'll come from guests to friends. And uh, one of the ways you do that is let us know that you're here, sign up for a group, those kinds of things. Uh, Some of you are here because it's Back to Church Sunday, and you're really excited about that. Uh, Some of you are here because you were watching the Duck Game last night, and with about five minutes to go, you started praying. And you (laughs) promised the Lord... God, if we come back, I'll go to church. I'll do anything. Uh, So we're glad you're here, and uh, we're glad that for your sanity that the Ducks won. Okay, so congratulations on that. And go go Beavs as well, right? Good victory for the Beavs. So, Um, no, this is Back to Church Sunday. It's kind of a chance for us to maybe get back into rhythm, some of us, right? We know summers are, are a bit of a crazy time. We're all over the place. And so for some of us, this is just an opportunity to put on the calendar and say, hey, on September 10th, I'm gonna make a priority to get back to worship uh, and reconnect with my church family. It's also a good Sunday to be here. We're kicking off a short series called Hope Dealers, all right? We're gonna talk more about these in a little bit. Uh, some people were asking, where do I get a shirt like that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll talk to you about that in a little bit. Um, this is a chance for me to just share my heart with you this morning. And, and uh, I, like God has been burning a message into my bones, kind of like what Jeremiah says uh, this summer. And a little bit of vision for our church, a little overall just picture of what our church is into and doing. Um, and it all, it all circles around this word hope. Wow, there it is on the shirt. You came dressed for the occasion. Her shirt says hope. I'm like, she went on Etsy just last night in order that. That was right. No. All right. The word hope. Before we talk about, about hope specifically, I, I want you to experiment or just think with me through something. So every product, and some of you, you've been in sales and have different jobs, but even if you haven't, you'll understand this. Every, every product has three things in common. Right? Every product that's come to market has, has three things in common. It has a designer a distributor, and the end users, right? There's a designer, someone invented it, someone created it. Then there's the distributors, those are the people who sell it, those are the people who, who get it out there to market. Uh, and then there's the end users, that's the people who, who buy it, who, who use that product, right? Every, every product has a designer, a distributor, and end user. So for an example, I don't know why I would be thinking about this, but let's talk about the Blackstone griddle for a minute. <laughs> How many of you own a Blackstone? Okay, how many of you are sort of obsessed with it now? Uh, So that's a tabletop, right? It's a tabletop. It's a griddle. It kind of blew up during COVID and has kind of kept going. I love this thing. You know it because if you follow me on social media this summer, every other story is me out there cooking on it and bragging about the deliciousness that I've put together. Um, but I, I, I love the Blackstone. So the, the designer, the Blackstone was designed by a guy named Roger Dahl, who also happens to be the CEO of the company. And then there's a wide variety of distributors. You can, you can get one 
across the street at Ace, I think, uh, if they still have any left at the end of the summer. Might snag a good deal, actually, after this. Uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart. I picked mine up. I got Costco'd. You ever gotten Costco'd? It's a verb, right? Costco'd is when you went in for milk and eggs and you came out with a $400 griddle. That's, that's when you get Costco'd. And you do it when your wife's out of town. That's, that's, uh, that's what I did. But she's excited now because I cook half our meals and she's, she's into that. So, um, but those are the distributors. You could also get it right from their website. You can go to Blackstone and get one. So those are all the dis- distribution channels from getting what this man, Roger Dole, has designed out to, to the market. And then there's the end users. That's me. That's you who raised your hand with me. Uh, that is like every other person on TikTok. Uh, and that, that could just be my algorithms kicking in because once you watch a couple of those like recipes or whatever, guess what, guess what social media does? They start sending you, oh, he must really like these and they, they start sending me more. Um, so the end users are anybody who, who own ones. So you could do this with not just the Blackstone, you could do this with, with any product that you can think of. There is a designer, there's a distributor, and user. This is true even of harmful things. Right? This, this is true of, of methamphetamines, of opiates, um, all kinds of things that we could, we could talk about, right? So then I want you to think about this with me. When it comes to the church, and I'm not talking about just Mountain View Church, but the Big C Church, the Bride of Christ the body of Jesus, what is our product? And it's kind of weird. I mean, even saying that out loud, I'm like, that's, that's kind of weird. Like the church isn't a business. And there are business elements to uh, leading a church, but it's not, it's not a business. But we do have a product. We, we do have something that we really want to get into the hands of other people. We have several of them. But the most important product that we have is the gospel. It is the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done and what that means for other people, what that means for the world. I'm just gonna preach over here from now on. These people don't even exist. It's just you and me, girl. (laughs) Right? Jesus, and why is that? Why, Why are we so passionate about our product, it's because we believe Jesus is the hope of the world. Okay. Come on, Jack. <laughs> oh, I love it. You guys are awesome, right? Jesus is the hope of the world. So we want to distribute that, right? We don't want to keep that for ourselves. We want to distribute that. And what makes our product so unique versus the Blackstone or the iPhone or whatever product you're thinking of in your mind is that the designer is God himself. He is the designer of this hope. Look at Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 13. Um, and it, these are all in the Bible app. Remember, click on events and they're all loaded in there for you. Paul writes this in Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of what? Hope. Come on. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And then here's the so that, right? Anytime you see a so that in the Bible, it's like, because of this, here's the effect of that, or here's what I want you to do with that. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul calls God the God of hope. Hope is not something cooked up in a lab somewhere or invented in a factory. Hope is a part of the nature of God. He is the God of hope. It's who he is. That's part of his character, part of his DNA. 
And then it says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he pours that hope into us along with joy and peace and all these things. He pours these into us, not just so we could have it and enjoy it. Oh, it's so nice to be a hope-filled person. He pours it into us so that it will overflow out of us. Right? Whatever God is pouring into you, he hopes will overflow out of you. He pours hope in so that hope can flow out by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is the designer. He is the God of hope. And we, church, we are the distributors. You didn't know you were in sales, but if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a rep. <laughs> you are a sales rep of hope. And the end user is everybody you've ever met. Right? The market is huge. It's your neighbor. It's, it's your family members, even the ones you don't really like a whole lot. Right, it's, your, it's your friend at school, it's your coworkers. It's even people that you've never met in countries you'll probably never visit. They're who we're called to distribute this hope to, which that makes it an amazing thing to be a distributor of, right? How, how many of us know basic economics? When the demand is high and the supply is low, the cost or the value of something does what? Goes way up. I think the demand for hope in our world has probably never been higher, and I think the supply in the world has never been lower. So if I was like really in the sale, I'd be like, this is a great time to get on the ground level of a great opportunity that I have for you, selling hope, <laughs> right? Now is the time. Um, next time you're, you're out and about running errands, right? you go to Walmart, Winco, wherever, you're getting groceries. Can I just ask you to do something? I want you to just slow down. Maybe it's even this afternoon. I want you to slow down and don't look at your phone or your, your grocery list or your feet. Look at the people. Just walk through the aisles. Look at the people. I've been doing that a lot this summer. I don't know, God's just sort of convicted me. Like, Mike, do you see what I'm seeing? So I was in Winco, um, it's probably about three weeks ago now. I was checking out. I was really excited. I was standing in this long line, eagerly waiting for my chance to give them $30 for eight hot dogs and a watermelon. And uh, it was on sale, you know, so. Anybody choosing, like, I can give my kids, you know, fresh fruit or I can pay my mortgage. That's kind of, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, so I'm in line and I looked at the people in front of me. I looked at the people behind me. A very big variety of people. Uh, in front of me was this young Hispanic mom. She had three young kids that were getting into all the stuff right there at the checkout, conveniently located low so that they can grab them. And one of them had one of those things that like has the mini fan on it that you're like, that's gonna break in three days, but whatever, you know, three minutes. Um, and this mom, I mean, she's just totally overwhelmed. And then I turned around and looked behind me and there's an older gentleman uh, with a cane. It looked like he was barely on his feet and he had a VFW hat on and um, was really struggling with, with just standing in line that long. And behind him was a group of teenagers. It was like they were together, but not, right? They all had the earbuds in and their phones. And I'm like, I think they're friends. Uh, it's a weird way to show it. Like, let's all listen to different things and I don't know, whatever. Um, I know all you teens think I don't get it. That's fine. Um, and I just stopped what I was doing and I looked, I looked them in the eyes. And all I saw was Despair. Like, there's just no light. And, and I'm just watching the anxiety of people around me. And, and it's just, it's palpable. Like, you, you can just feel it. 
So I, I wanna read a, some alarming stats to you. If you, and I wanna just give you a little bit of a warning, if you struggle with suicidal thoughts or you've been impacted by suicide in any way, these could be troubling for you, these could be hard for you to hear. Um, if you need to step out, do that, okay? If you wanna distract yourself with something else on your phone or whatever for a few minutes, I, I understand that. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna trigger anybody. But let me just read you a few stats. So over the last 20 years in our country, Death by suicide has increased by 37% in the last 20 years, 37% increase in death by suicide. Uh, according to the CDC, CDC data, the last year, so 2022, was the highest number of deaths by suicide ever recorded in our database um, by, by more than 1,000 over the previous high in 2018. When surveyed, the number one response to why someone would consider taking their own life the number one response is, quote, feeling trapped and hopeless. Feeling hopeless. Second highest response was having no reason to live. There's just no point. There, there's no hope. There's no purpose for my life. There's no real big reason for me staying here or being here. Right, maybe you can identify with those feelings personally. Maybe that's why you're here today. Because you need to know that there's a God of hope who loves you has a greater purpose for your life. Maybe you're watching online. You just need to hear that. You need to embrace that, that there is a reason to live, that there is a purpose for your life, that you're here on purpose, for a purpose. But you combine that level of despair with the constant you know, economic pressures we're facing and uncertainty, the political turmoil that's always right around the corner. And, and like, you read these stats and like, I start to get depressed right? Anybody ever like watch the news or read the stats? And it's like, I'm getting depressed just watching this. And I found myself last week researching for this message. And I just, I actually said this little prayer in my heart. I said, God, what's going on? Like, just get us out of here. Lord, just like, I'm ready. Like, let's just go ahead and I'll be with you and it'll be great. Like, just get us out of here. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking in my heart. But he hasn't, right? He will one day. Scripture's clear. Like Jesus is going to come back and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and a new day. And I'm excited for that, right? He's gonna do that. But I'm still here and you're still here. And then it hit me, what an opportunity we have as a church, as the family of God, when the demand for hope has never been higher and the supply in the world is so low. That's an opportunity, right? That's an opportunity. If that's the case, if those are the economic realities of hope in our world, then the church is positioned to dominate the market. That's what we would say if it was a sales world, right? That we've got what everybody wants and can't find. We are in a position to dominate the market. And I'd put it this way. A hopeless world needs a hope-filled church. A hopeless world needs a hope-filled church. We worship the designer of hope. We're called to be people of hope. We're called to be distributors of hope. Right? Wherever God has you, he has you there for a reason. Your sphere of influence, you, you are to be an influence of hope. You are, you are there to be a hope dealer. But here's the thing. You can't give what you don't have. You, you can't give anybody hope if you don't have hope, if you don't know hope. Um, maybe you've interacted with like a salesperson or an influencer or rep for, for a product or whatever. And, and you could, you could kind of tell that they're not really buying what they're selling. 
Do you know what I mean? You're like, you don't really care about this product. You don't actually think this product is that great. You just need a paycheck. And so you're pulling out all the tricks and the gimmicks because you don't really believe that this thing is really that great. Have you ever interacted with somebody like that? You can smell it, right? You're like, this is fake. You don't really believe in this thing. Um, Zig Ziglar, who's probably, probably the most famous like trainer of sales, I would say, uh, in the world. He passed away a few years ago, but here's what he said once. He said, if you believe your product or service can fulfill a true need, it is your moral obligation to sell it. Now, he wasn't saying this to churches. He wasn't saying this to Christians, right? This was at a sales conference. If you believe your product or service can fulfill a true need, then it is your moral obligation to sell it. And what's interesting is there have been several studies and research done on this that if, that's really true. Um, it shows that if you really believe in what you are selling, you will be more successful. You, you will actually be more persuasive in how you talk to people. Uh, you'll be more persuasive in how you present the opportunity or the product or whatever it is if you actually believe in it and therefore you will be more successful as a salesperson. Some of you are in sales and you're, you're like, yeah, this is, this is so true. Like, this is totally the way it works. So again, let me, let me just back up. How much do you believe in the hope of the gospel? Because you can't sell it. You can't distribute. You, you can't give hope. You can't deal hope unless you really have it and you really believe it. And you believe, as Zig Ziglar says, that you have a moral obligation. You actually believe that the hope of Jesus Christ will fulfill a need in the world. And so you feel this compelling thing in your soul that says, I gotta give this. I have a moral obligation to tell other people about this. First right, Peter chapter three, verse 15. It says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Right, always be ready that when someone would ask you that you would have a reason for the hope that you, it doesn't say the reason for the hope that you've heard about or the hope that your pastor talks about or the hope that you used to have. Always be ready when someone asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have currently, now. So if someone would ask you today, hey, where, where does your hope come from? How would you answer that? Would, would you know how to answer that? Maybe it would be a story. Maybe it would be a one word. Maybe it would just be Jesus. I think maybe a better question is whether anyone would have reason to ask you for the hope that you have. Like, is there something about the way that you live, the way that you talk, the way you carry yourself, even in hard times, uh, whatever it would be, is there something about your life that people who would spend time near you would be curious to say, huh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Can you tell me a little bit about this hope or this, like there's something about you. I'm curious to know more. Would people have a reason to ask you what Peter's saying you need to be ready for? And how is your supply? That's the question I'm asking. How is your supply of hope? Because you can't give what you don't have and you can't sell what you don't believe in. But if you do believe in it, you have a moral obligation to share it. Uh, I, I'm told that this is an anchor, a more modern anchor. 
I asked someone in our church for an anchor, I was, I was like picturing one of those old school looking anchors, you know? It's kind of rusty and got some like algae and barnacles on it or something, or like a traditionally shaped anchor. I would not have guessed that this was, but they tell me this is an anchor. Um, I hope they're not messing with me. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that knows nothing about practical stuff in life. And so I'm the guy that's like, you're working on the car with and you send me into O'Reilly's to ask for a flux capacitor. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I don't know what stuff is, you know, so I'm hoping they're not messing with me. Um, I've been alive for 39 years. One of the things I've learned in those 39 years is that it's more fun to have friends with a boat than to have a boat. <laughs> and it's way cheaper and it's, and it's just way more fun, right? But this, this person in our church has a boat and they're telling me this is what like a modern small anchor looks like. Now, uh, what do anchors do? Why do you need an anchor? Somebody just, somebody respond. What do you? Keep you still in the water. Keeps you still, holds you in place. So you don't want that? So you don't drift? Yep. An anchor is an instrument of security. It's like I drop anchors so that I don't drift where I'm not supposed to go. Uh, so I don't get into danger. So that no matter what's thrown at me, whatever the waves are like, whatever the water's choppiness is like, whatever it doesn't win, doesn't matter. If I have a good enough anchor, I'll stay. I'm secure. I'm, I'm safe. Listen to Hebrews. This is from Hebrews chapter six, verse 19 and 20. It says, we have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Like, are you getting this imagery Right, the author of Hebrews says there, there's a hope that anchors our soul. That, that we, there's a hope that, that gets us security, keeps us firm, keeps us in place. That no matter what comes in our life, no matter if we're having a good day or a bad day, no matter what the circumstances are around us or what waves are coming at us, there is a hope that anchors our soul mentally, physically, spiritually. And that hope is not a something. He says that hope is a someone that hope is Jesus. This whole section of Hebrews is talking about how Jesus is our great high priest and it talks about what that means and what he's done on our behalf and why that's such a great thing. Right? The hope is Jesus. The hope is the one who came and died and was resurrected, defeating the power of death and the grave and now sits at the right hand of our heavenly father interceding on our behalf right, right now as we sit here. Right, the hope is the one Colossians says was created or, or created all things and in him all things hold together is the language Colossians uses. That Jesus along with the Father and Holy Spirit holds this whole world together. He is the anchor for our souls. And a hopeless world needs a hope-filled church. It needs a church filled of hope-filled people. People who are getting hammered by the waves of despair in our world need an anchor for their soul. People are, people are drifting. Souls are drifting. Again, we, like when you're out and about, will you look up? Will you look at people? So what I wanna do for just the next 10 minutes together, I wanna look at ways that our church is trying to drop some anchors in this world. We're trying to be hope dealers. 
Uh, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you today about ways that he would have you do that in your life and your sphere of influence. But as a church collectively, some stuff we're doing. And if you're a part of our church, there might be some things you go, hey, I wanna get more involved in that personally. Uh, but even if you're just, you're a part of Mountain View, if this is your church home and you give and you support it and all this thing, you're, you're giving hope in these ways. And so I just want you to know about it and, and be, be proud of that. Um, it's all structured around Acts 1.8. It's not gonna be on the screen, but in Acts verse, uh, chapter one, verse eight, Jesus has, uh, he's already risen from the dead. He appears to his disciples and he says, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem. That's where they're at. And the Holy Spirit is gonna empower you. And when that happens, you are gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna spread this thing uh, and the, the phrase he uses is Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the word, earth. So Jerusalem is, is where they were when Jesus said that. If you look at a map, they're in Jerusalem. So he says, I want you to stay here, right, here. And then he says, Judea and Samaria. Well, that is the larger regions that were connected to them. Uh, and then the ends of the earth, I went to seminary for this one. The ends of the earth means ends of the earth, yeah, it's expensive education. Uh, it means the whole globe, right? It means the whole world. It means places the disciples would have never even heard about yet. Uh, and they, they actually, by the way, they, they don't do this very well. So persecution breaks out and God puts his hand on a man named Saul. And Saul actually says, you know what? I'm taking this to the ends of the earth. So this, the idea that I've heard this summarized as is Jesus has called us to hear, near, and far. Hear, near, and Far. So I wanna just share a little bit about how Mountain View Church is trying to deal hope here, near, and far. Um, for the here, the main avenue of hope that we've just established uh, for our church is a strategic partnership with Almondsville Elementary. Uh, I don't think it's by accident that God has our church right here on the corner of First and Main in Almondsville. I don't think it's an accident. There's a public school right across the, uh, right across the town from us. And we have so many teachers that are part of that church, that, or the part of that school that go to our church. The principal grew up in the youth group here uh, and, and comes here from time to time. Hi, Zach. Um, and we've got a great relationship over there. And so we're gonna always look for ways for how can we make a difference and, and make a difference in the life of a child to hopefully break cycles of hopelessness and despair. Right? Not that we don't care about older people or their parents or grandparents, or whatever, but we just know if we can affect the life early on and start a new trajectory, man, what a difference that could make. So there's gonna be lots of ways that you're gonna see that manifest itself in the life of our church. Right now, it's just a super simple way, but right now we're doing that school snack drive. We're gonna be doing this till the end of September. I saw several of you bringing more stuff in. I already loaded a bunch of stuff up and took that over there this week. And um, I dropped it off and this gal came out with a cart and was helping me. And she's like, where is all this from? I was like, oh, the Mountain View Church. She's like, oh, that, that church across from uh, Newfelds? I said, yeah. And she said, I I've never been there. I've always wondered about it. <laughs> I said, well, I, the pastor's like decent. Um, <laughs> but we really stay for the snacks, no. Um, I said, well, we'd love to have you. You know, it's just our church's way of loving you. Because what we're doing with this is we're, we're gathering stuff for the teachers because... Um, I don't know if you know this, but like teachers pay out of pocket all the time for stuff that they shouldn't have to, but there's just no budget for. And one of those is snacks for kids who are come, didn't get to eat breakfast before they came or kids just getting a little hangry in the afternoon or, you know, needs to cool down here, have some goldfish, go take a break, you know, whatever. And so this is a way that we can fill the teachers with hope. And how many of us with, with kids in school would rather have hope-filled teachers teaching our kids, right? Rather than teachers who are just beat up and depressed and wanna quit. 
So if we could come alongside the teacher and say, man, we believe in you, we trust you, we love you, and that keeps one more teacher locked in and engaged with our students, that'll make a difference. Um, so that's what we're doing with this. If you wanna pick up more snacks, we'll be, we'll be uh, collecting those the rest of this month. Uh, another opportunity that we deal some hope is through, we just call it our pe- peanut butter and jelly outreach. So you may not even know this, but every week there's someone in our church who's making like five, six, seven loaves of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and they get picked up and they get uh, taken and distributed with the, the love of Jesus into Salem for our houseless uh, neighbors and friends. Uh, and so if you wanna be involved in that or know more about that, the number on the screen there is who to contact. Nettie was here first service. She runs that ministry. This predates me. Like this has been happening since before I came to Mountain View, which was 13 years ago. Um, so if you wanna get involved in that, you can do that. You can do it on your own. You can do it with your life group. You can do it with some friends, uh, whatever, whatever you wanna do. Then there's some other stuff we do locally, but I, I, you know, somebody's gonna come up to me and say, hey, what about this thing? And I don't think you wanna be here until noon. So the last thing I'll highlight in kind of the near category uh, is actually not started yet, but we're working on it. I want you to know about this. So there's a lot of things still being figured out. I can't share too much, um, too many details, but a lot of you probably know that the food bank in town here that was housed at the Pentecostal Church down the road, Mama's Community Market was the name of that. It's been there for several years. That... In August, that closed. And um, I don't know how many people they're serving now. I know some people even in our church need that and use that regularly. There's some of us who have needed it just from time to time when we've gotten knocked down and need to get on our feet. Um, When I met with the director over a year ago, I was told they were serving about 1,600 households a month. So when I saw that that was closing, I immediately in my heart just said, that is too big of a loss for our community to sit by and not do anything. So we, again, there's a lot of details to work out. It's not just gonna be our church. It's not gonna be housed here. We don't have the room for that. But we're, we're working with other organizations statewide as well as just locally to try to help get that thing back up and running. We're gonna be a part of solving food insecurity in our community. Um, and we're gonna deal hope with every bag of groceries we hand out. And so there'll be ways for you to be involved in that, volunteering, financially, we're gonna support it, all those things. So right now, just pray, right? Pray all those details work out. Pray we can figure out the leadership of that and the structure of that. But I just want you to know that our church is gonna be in the thick of that. And uh, we're gonna find a way to, to meet that need. So so that's kind of the here. Let's switch to the near, the kind of a regional approach. So um, the primary way we try to affect a region, which isn't just the Pacific Northwest, but really the United States, is through uh, what we call the Awaken Network. Um, the Awaken Network is a church planning organization. I serve on the board. Uh, it's actually founded at a church, one of our Wesleyan churches in South Dakota, Ransom Church. So, so people go and they do a two-year church planning residency, like internship program. Uh, and then they're sent out to, with a vision from God to start a new church in a certain area that they feel called to. And then they're supported with funding and uh, support as they, as they get that going. So um, this map is actually uh, just a little bit dated, but as of next month, we will have helped launch 12 new churches across the country. And uh, there's two, this is really cool. Right now, actually, they're probably already done, but right now, this morning, there are actually two new churches starting today. Uh, one is in Milford, Ohio, which is uh, kind of near Cincinnati, outskirts of Cincinnati. The other is in Yankton, South Dakota. Shout out Yankton right? I don't have no idea where that is, but it's in South Dakota. Um, And then in October, there's going to be two more launches. There's going to be a new church in Bismarck, North Dakota, and then there's going to be one in upstate South Carolina. Um, So you're a part of this. If you get to Mountain View Church, uh, we, we, out of our general budget, we help fund Awaken Network and um, 
You can actually get more involved in this. If there's the website there on the screen, you can become what they call an awakened advocate, and you personally can, can support these church plants. But we, why do we, someone asked me the other day, like, why are we doing this? Why are we taking money out of our church uh, and giving it to all these other churches that, that we don't really know? And the reason is because statistically, we know that new churches reach new people at a much higher rate. Like what God is doing in Mountain View is so rare that a church that's been around since 1968 baptized 26 people this summer. That is so rare. Most churches that have been around since 1968 aren't around or are quickly not going to be around. I'm not excited about that. I'm sad about that, right? But new churches, new churches we know statistically do a far better job with far less resources at reaching people with the gospel. And I wanna be in on that. I care more about that than building bigger buildings. All that. I, I just wanna reach people. And this is how we help do that across country, right? One of those is in Seattle. Uh, you, hear, you hear me talk about them a lot because they're closest to us, right? And so there's a strategic partnership there and uh, we're really excited about it. We're seeing baptisms and salvations and all kinds. We're seeing awakenings happen all across the network, which is, which is super cool. Uh, and then lastly is far. So we've here, near, and, and far, Right, Jesus said, take this thing to the ends of the earth. The way that we do that here is through some strategic partnerships with, uh, with Global Partners, which is the missionary agency of the Wesleyan Church. Um, there's several missionaries. For years, we've partnered with Matt Blake. Matt Blake is a missionary of the Czech Republic, uh, leads a church over there and, uh, in, in the Czech, and he's been here to speak a few times. And Some of you support him directly. Some of you support him through giving to missions in our church. Uh, but Matt Blake is a big part of that. His latest update is on the bulletin board out there between the bathrooms, if you wanna kind of see what the Blakes are up to right now. Uh, another missionary is Rand Randall Cheney. Uh, he serves in Southern Africa, and he actually uh, is kind of a director of, of pastoral education for, mo for like most of Southern Africa, uh, raising up indigenous leaders, because the goal isn't for us to like plant churches just like ours, right? The goal is for locals to, to raise up and reach their own people. Um, we sponsor the Jesus Film Project, which is really cool. Uh, you, should, you should do some research on what the Jesus Film does, but they, they find villages where maybe the gospel isn't represented and they'll take a movie about the life of Jesus. I think it's based on the book of John and they'll actually translate it. They'll work hard behind the scenes for months, sometimes years to translate that film into the language of the local people. And they'll, they'll drive into places that you cannot believe and they'll set up like a makeshift movie theater and invite people from the villages to come and, and watch the story of Jesus. And they've seen hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ after the movie just by watching it in their own language. Because And there's people who've even said, I never really saw Jesus as, you know, Jesus is just like a, a Middle Eastern thing or Jesus is just an American thing. Or, and then they hear it in their own heart language. They say, well, I think Jesus is for me. I didn't know that. It's a really cool ministry. So we, we support them as well with our missions giving. And then today, I'm excited about this. I wanna introduce you to our newest missionary partner. So we've got a new missionary that we're gonna be bringing on board that you're gonna to get to know a little bit better. And some of you may recognize her. Uh, she shot a quick video for us and then I'll talk a little bit more. Hey there, my name is Colette and I'm getting ready to start my first term as a long-term missionary in Cambodia. I will be serving alongside a team of seven other people who are committed to seeing the light of Jesus shine through this country. My first priority will be full-time language school so that I can learn to properly communicate and build relationships with the Khmer people. I also have the opportunity to teach English while doing language study as a way to begin building relationships with the locals in the community.
Long term, my role will be to disciple youth and help build a youth program where we can grow and disciple future leaders of the local church. Currently, Cambodia has 50% of the country under the age of 26, which is crazy. You see, back in the late 70s, Cambodia suffered a mass genocide that wiped out one-third of their population. Forty years later, many of these people still have no hope in their government and are weary of any kind of change. My vision is to see the people of Cambodia find hope in Jesus and become disciple-makers that can continue to spread hope throughout the country. Thank you for taking a minute to hear my story, and please be praying with me that the people of Cambodia would be open and accepting to hearing the gospel. Hmm. So if you didn't know who that was, uh, Colette Niebakken is the daughter of our children's pastors, Kurt and Brenda, and this is a call she's had on her life uh, really for, for several years now, um, and she's been waiting and trying to strategically line things up in her life, and God's opened this door for her uh, to go to Cambodia. And we're really excited for her. We're excited as a church to get to know her better and to hopefully enter into a long-term partnership with her. Um, and so you're gonna get to know her better. She's gonna be moving home to start what they call partner development, which is a nice way of saying, like, fill up your prayer list with as many people as possible and, and, and get funding so that you can stay over in Cambodia and get there. Um, she'll be starting that after the new year, so you'll hear more from her. But we kind of this hope dealer that we wanted to give her a little hope, a little start. Because when you're starting the fundraising thing like that, you see the mountain, right? You see the number, and you're like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get there? And, and so we wanted to just kind of give her a little bit of a jump start, even before she's on the ground with her partner development. And so the way that we are doing that is through these shirts. Somebody asked me earlier, how do I, where do I get one of those shirts? Well, I'm so glad you asked, guys. That's awesome. I need to go to one of those sales trainings. So uh, you can scan this QR code. There's also one in your bulletin, right? And this is gonna take you to a Google form. Uh, originally, you know, we were like, oh, let's just give everybody a shirt. And then I started hearing about Colette's passion and vision for Cambodia. And she met with her team. I said, what if we turn this into a fundraiser? So you can, you can order a shirt through that Google Doc. You can do all the different sizes that you need. Uh, the very last thing in that Google form is a link to a PayPal fundraiser that I set up. It is in my name. I'm not gonna take all of your money, I promise. It's going to Colette. Uh, but 40% of every shirt is gonna go right back to Colette. And just to give her a little bit of a boost as she's fundraising. Um, and you're gonna be hearing more from her, how you can partner with her in Dealing Hope in Cambodia. Um, but this is just kind of a first little thing. Plus, these are pretty cool. I think. So if you want one, that's how you get one, okay? But this is how our church is doing the whole here, near, and far thing. And I, I wonder, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Like, what is, specifically, like, what is your here? Right, here meaning, like, your immediate sphere of influence. How is he moving you to deal hope to others? What would that look like? I wanna end with this quote. This is from, we think it's from John Wesley. We're not actually 100% sure he said this, but uh, this is a Wesleyan church. We get our name from John Wesley. He says, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. You wanna talk about a big vision for your life? Like, I read that, and I'm like, okay, well, that, that sounds cool. It sounds actually something like Dr. Seuss would say uh, or something, but 
like I can't actually do that, right? I mean, I can't do all, all the good by all the means to all the people. You know, I can't do everything for everyone, but I can do something for someone. I can do something for someone. I can do something in the place that I am. I can't do it where I'm not, but I can do it where I'm at. And so this week, I'm really, there's someone in your life that needs the hope of the gospel. There is someone that needs to know about the hope that you have in Jesus. And you are uniquely positioned to give it. Will you step into that moment? Will you be courageous enough to say, I wanna tell you about my hope? And maybe, maybe it's just one word, right? Maybe your hope is just Jesus. He's the anchor for my soul. Here's what that means for me. Right? And for some of us, maybe the takeaway today is going, man, you know what? I, he's right. Like, I can't, I can't deal what I don't have supply of. Right? Is my soul anchored in hope? Do I know the hope? Right? Do I believe in what I'm selling or not? But if you do, I, I agree with Ziggler. I think you have a moral obligation to share that hope with others, that you would allow his spirit to fill you but then that wouldn't just be for you, but that would overflow, as that verse says, that would overflow here, near, and far. Let's pray together. God, we sung about it all morning today that, that there is a hope that we have in you that can't be found anywhere else in this world. In fact, I think the supply of hope is at an all-time low. There, there is such a sense of despair, but that has also created a sense of hunger, I think, for what we have. Because we have hope in you. It doesn't matter what waves are looking like. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of our life is. It doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank account. There is a hope. There is an eternal hope. There is a, a hope that is beyond my circumstances that anchors my soul and that hope is found in you, Jesus. It's found in who you are and what you've done for me. So would you open our eyes, Lord, this week to the people and the places around us that need hope? Would you give us the courage by your Holy Spirit? Would you give us the boldness? Knowing that you're the designer, would you, would you give us the boldness to be distributors for you this week? Because everybody needs hope. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so glad you're here today. We're gonna pick up this conversation next week. We're gonna talk a little bit more about hope more on an interpersonal level uh, in our relationships. Uh, if you're a guest, stop by the connection point. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better, help you get connected. That's also where you can check out all the groups, uh, including the Rooted class. Let me just personally say, I'd really love for you to join Rooted if you've never done that before and you're not in a group currently. Um, yeah, and we'll see you back here next week. Have a good one.